It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 119, the Thanksgiving edition. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. You know, it's weird. I, I mentioned Thanksgiving, of course, because we're recording this a couple of days before Thanksgiving here in the United States. Um, honestly, to be completely blunt, I didn't even think about this being Thanksgiving week until just yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. Wasn't it just wasn't clicking? Um, I even forgot to mention it in my newsletter uh, that comes out tomorrow. So it's it's uh, uh, it's just weird. Time has lost all meaning. <laughs> what it, yeah, what it kind of feels like in some ways. So anyway. yeah, for us, it's usually a big. You know, we travel to the East Coast. Uh, a lot of family involved. None of that will be happening this year. Of course, it'll just be my immediate family who live together anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, just happening, happening to have turkey uh, one night um, instead, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, or in my case, uh, non-turkey or no turkey or whatever it is, <laughs> some sort of non-turkey substitute. Um, and uh, you know, it's. Uh, Please don't say tofurkey. No, well, no. Yeah. You know, actually, so to, to, I don't really mind tofurkey, but it's a deli meat replacement more than a, right. more than something you would eat at, at dinner. Um, but the, uh, it is weird. I, you know, I do have to remind myself because, you know, I publish videos five days a week and I have to remember that, you know, I'm probably not going to get my typical audience watching on Thursday or Friday morning right. and kind of plan accordingly for that. Um, so, uh, yeah, cause people have off work, you know, e- even if they're not do if they're doing the right thing and staying home and not inviting people over and not having a big dinner, they still probably don't have to work on Thursday and Friday. Yeah. Hopefully so, they won't be sitting in front of their computers quite as much. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, maybe relaxing a bit, maybe enjoying time with the family that they do live with, um, and all, but um, if they're not tired of one another, <laughs> yeah, really, like we haven't had an opportunity to do that over the last six months. You know? <laughs> uh, it's uh, funny, yeah. No, we're in this. We're in the, basically the same boat. Normally, we would have had a uh, a Thanksgiving dinner with a handful of friends uh, here Thursday, and uh, that just just ain't happening. We made the call last week. the The numbers are simply too high in Washington. They've locked us down a little further, and uh, it's just it's it's the wrong thing to do. So uh, my wife can't resist still making some traditional dishes. Yeah. The challenge, the challenge, of course, will be making them in smaller portions, since it is going to be just the two of us. Exactly. Yeah. And here we just, you know, if for the people in Colorado that we're on the edge about whether or not to have people over, they just announced today that we have hit our maximum capacity uh, at hospitals. The ICUs oh, are full and. Uh, decisions will have to be made, um, not whether or not you deserve, you know, based on your symptoms to be in an ICU, but whether or not, you know, you reach a higher threshold uh, right. because there's just right. not going to be room or staff um, to go any higher. In yeah, the they're actually, right now. yeah, they're basically having to perform triage. It's, uh, yep. it's unfortunate. I don't think we're at capacity yet, but I know that we're at some very high percentage of capacity. The thing that scares me the most about it. Um, just one more thing about COVID and then we'll move on to real, the more fun stuff. Uh, the thing that worries me the most is the delay between symptoms, uh, between catching it and symptoms, which mm. means that uh, for those people that do get together uh, over Thanksgiving, it'll be a week or so before they start to show symptoms. It'll be a week after that before they hit the hospital. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to see the actual impact of whatever happens this week uh, for another couple of weeks. And I <laughs> Could go either way, to be honest. It really could. Yeah. Uh, well, it probably it could go either way, but it probably will go one way. Yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately, I was trying to be hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. So yeah. This. Yeah. And, and and if I could just add one more thing on top of that, you know, I got reminded by reading something online that one of the things people don't consider is the fact that other illnesses and other health issues still continue, and this affects them. Um, there are people, for instance, that need, say, surgery or hospital care yes. uh, that don't have COVID that are now having to put it off. Uh, people that have had, are having you know, surgery for something that could be life-threatening and being told, okay, you're scheduled for surgery for next week. 
is going to have to be postponed by a month, two months, three months. A very long time. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, it's the prognosis pro might not be as good to delay something like that. So there's, there's that. And then there's also the the realization that you're, you know, even if you do have the surgery, um, you're going into basically a, a hospital that's probably also full of COVID patients. Yeah. And God knows they're doing everything they can. But I mean, it's still getting a little too close to the epicenter there for, uh, for comfort. Sure. Yeah, my wife ended up having surgery towards the end of last year, and we were very, very lucky in hindsight that yeah. um, she was able to do so because it would have absolutely fallen into that category of um, elective postponable stuff. And uh, she would have been in quite a, quite a lot of pain for a lot longer. So. What it, yeah, I had a similar situation, except uh, it was not postponable. Um, at the end of last year with a family member. And what would have been horrible would have been the fact that it would have all gone as before, except no visitors. Right. So my family member would have been alone for two weeks, Yikes. totally alone, Yikes! you know, and uh, as it was, the situation was that uh, they were not alone for two sure. weeks, plenty of visitors and plenty of, uh, you know, uh, people to keep her spirits up. I can't imagine having to go through it. Um, same thing, same room, same situation, but you're just sitting there alone 24 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. There's wow. only so much uh, Zoom or FaceTime that, uh, that, that'll cover. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so what you got for us this week, Gary? Tech stuff. Yeah. So uh, I saw an article on Axios. Um, that was interesting. It made me think, why hadn't I thought of this? Uh, it, it's about social media social media sites are what we kind of lump into this group. Social media is not really a good term for it anymore. Cause I don't think things like TikTok are really, well, actually, actually TikTok may, may be more social media taken literally than something like Facebook. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about it, uh, Facebook's number one thing that comes to mind, but it, it's more like, I don't know, status communication, something else. Whereas TikTok actually is social media. But anyway, all these companies from Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, um, YouTube, you know, Twitch and TikTok and all their social media. And what's interesting is, and this article uh, talks about features that are starting to be shared between all of them. And we've seen this for a while now, you know, some feature or a new company comes up with something and the other ones feel that in order to compete, they need to have that same feature in theirs. I think the earliest that I could think of that this happened was that after Facebook had been going for a while and then Twitter started to get popular, Facebook kind of changed how things worked to make it more like you could, well, first you had direct messages you could send on Facebook and then also you know, it was easier to kind of respond and keep a conversation going. Remember, they used to call it a wall you know, at the beginning, the mm -hmm. old term was your Facebook wall. You would post something to your wall. And I don't hear people call that anymore. It's pretty much called your feed or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of a reaction to like, oh, how TikTok, or sorry, Twitter worked. But then there were things like other companies came up with stuff like live, you know, video bits, like Periscope was one of the first right? And oh yeah. Periscope. I was thinking of about Vine, but yeah. Periscope Vine. Yes. Sure, so yeah. Vine, Periscope. And then of course that kind of morphed into Snapchat and then um, TikTok, but then all the other companies are following up with that. You know, you had things like with Snapchat, you had stories. So Facebook and Instagram both kind of followed with stories and then TikTok and all kind of incorporated how Vine and Periscope worked and Snapchat too. But now Facebook kind of has that as well. And YouTube is jumping in with YouTube shorts. Right. And yeah. you have, you've got, so you have these features that seem to be defining what a social media app is now. And then you have this grid of checkboxes of like, okay, who's got what, you know, who has direct messages. And it turns out that the whole list, except YouTube has direct messages, but that's kind of ubiquitous. Now who does live video? Well, TikTok doesn't do live video, although I think that's coming. I'm pretty sure that is. And, you know, so you have almost everybody else up and down the list does live video. Things like filters, being able to apply filters to your photos or mm -hmm. even like lenses, you know, putting dog ears on yourself or things like that. That's starting to become ubiquitous across all of them. So, you know, somebody comes up with a killer feature 
on one or more of these and the other ones feel like they have to adopt it to the point now where if you wanted to start a social media network or a social media app on your own, you almost have this checklist of like, okay, we need you know, a, a lot, a feed, direct messages, live video, video filters, stories, you know, public follower counts, you know, it, you just check off all those boxes and now you're a competitor in the social media app space. It is interesting. What I found, what I find really fascinating thinking about this um, is that, uh, is YouTube because YouTube to me was never, ever social media, right? Mm -hmm. They were a video sharing platform. And they come at it from a video point of view. All these other platforms like Facebook and TikTok and so forth, they were social media platforms that happened to either offer video as an option or leverage video as their primary method of communication. But it wasn't, they weren't video specialists. So they were all heading from social media towards video. Now here's this huge, huge video platform trying to learn and take on a few features from the social media crowd. Uh, you mentioned stories as you know, being out there on, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, they're there on, uh, for some YouTube creators already as well. Uh, YouTube yep. shorts is a way for the rest of us to try and get in there. But, um, but stories have been around for a while. Um, it, it is fascinating. And I didn't realize until you brought this up, just how deep all of these similarities go. What I find ironic is this whole concept of short videos um, that basically are what stories and TikTok and a few other things are all based around um, are actually the product of failed social media companies or social media mm. efforts, you know, both Vine and Periscope. Um, those are, those are things that you just don't hear about anymore. And yet their legacy more than lives on. Indeed. Well, I mean, you could look at, you know, Facebook's, you know, had this legacy from what was it? Uh, Friendster and MySpace that started it all. And so, and also like online communities that were previous and they're all gone. Right. And Facebook kind of you know, picked that up. Um, you know, which is interesting. I guess if you have something that it seems interesting, don't give up because, uh, you, you know, maybe maybe part of the reason is these companies gave up too early, but other others may be that they didn't have the audience already. I mean, I think, uh, you know, an existing, it's different when an existing platform adopts a new feature as opposed to a company comes out of nowhere with just that feature. But I like what you said about the fact that, you know, there are these different companies coming at it from different angles. You know, YouTube was the pure video angle mm -hmm. coming into this, but they're morphing towards the center of becoming a little bit more social media-like. They're probably the one furthest away in the list right now from being a true social media network, but they are moving towards that center. Facebook didn't really have any way to compete with YouTube originally, but certainly a few years ago, they started moving into that space, Absolutely. allowing you to upload videos directly to Facebook. Uh, basic, if you were uploading videos to YouTube to only post them on Facebook at that time, you could completely eliminate YouTube out of the mix and just post directly to uh, Facebook. And um, what I yeah. find also interesting are the, um, I'll throw a couple of more contenders in here. Um, there are services like Discord and Switch, uh, Twitch um, that, again, are primarily video-based or actually pro primarily gamer-based, of all things. Yeah. But they, too, are turning into kind of another form of social media, online chat um, and video sharing. I know that a number of folks who do uh, uh, live streaming will you know, normally like when you or I do a live stream, we basically pick a platform and we send our stream to that platform. Mm -hmm. I tend to stream to, um, to YouTube. Yeah. Um, and you know, some people go only to Facebook and of course there are services that will take a single stream and then fan it out. And I know of a couple of, of folks, um, that I actually end up supporting through Patreon that, um, you know, they run their feed, their, their stream, through these services that then all of a sudden their stream shows up in YouTube and Facebook and Twitch and wherever else they happen to be looking at. Um, so I think that those kind of players are also starting to, you know, at least muddy the waters about what it means to be social media. Well, I think one of the things that fuels this is for the creators, the people creating content on these platforms, 
it's not hard to use multiple platforms. I mean, we're both doing it. I, at this point, I'm creating videos and I'm distributing uh, to YouTube and to my own site. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I have no problem. It automatically posts to Facebook. I'm also creating short videos for Instagram uh, and uh, TikTok. And it's also easy for me to post to Twitter, to LinkedIn, although I don't do it as much, uh, and to Instagram you know, things. So it's not like there's a, a high barrier to entry if you're already creating the content. Creating the content is the hard part. Right. Distributing right. it to multiple platforms is relatively easy. It's a um, lot of administrivia is what it boils down to. Um, yeah. And of course, there are also nuances, right? Like I think you mentioned that uh, the uh, the vertical video format for YouTube shorts, using those yeah. as an example, um, is ever so slightly different than the vertical video format you would end up if you take with, if you take that same video and give it to Instagram. Yeah, Instagram is... Um, so you yeah, have to make some choices. Format. So there, there are still a little, a few interesting rough edges that need to be considered. So your comment earlier about audience, I think, is probably the one that's the most, the easiest to overlook. Um, I know that it's something that I've struggled with over the years, and that is, where is the audience? Where are hmm. your people? Be it as a content producer or even just as an individual trying to use social media. One of the reasons that we're all currently in Facebook's grasp is because everybody else is in Facebook's grasp. That's where, you know, where, where the people are, right? Um, it, it's that old uh, uh, Yogi Berra joke. Um, nobody goes there anymore because the restaurant's always full. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you know, Facebook, everybody loves to complain about it. And yet, that's where everybody is. Yeah, I think that drives a lot of what um, what content producers are doing. I think it drives a lot of what individuals just trying to connect with their friends are doing. Yeah, no, exactly. They're all different audiences. It's almost like as a as somebody who's not a producer of content, but somebody who's just interacting with others socially on these uh, and maybe consuming some content you almost find like your one or two or maybe three homes that you're on. Right. You Maybe you're a Facebook person who also just does Instagram and that's it. Maybe you're a Snapchat person who also does TikTok. You know, maybe you are all over YouTube, but you have a Facebook and Instagram account. You know, it's like, what's your combination of things? Where do you live? What's your neighborhood that you've created like? And then probably a lot of it uh, is determined by what your friends are doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think especially for non-technical folks, I mean, you and I are, are exceptions to the rule, right? We we are on all these platforms. We have no problem navigating all these platforms. It becomes a matter of um, hours in the day more than anything else. You know, how many platforms do I want to try and manage um, for, for my business? But when it comes down to quote unquote normal people, uh, my guess is that it's driven primarily by where their friends are. Where you know, and they probably pick like mm. one primary and maybe a second one that they just don't pay that much attention to anymore or as much. Uh, but yeah, um, it's and of course, the water gets even further muddied when, as we're seeing in the political spectrum right now, all of your friends suddenly pack up and leave to go to a different platform. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's and yeah, that, that could be interesting to see, especially uh, these platforms don't necessarily survive, right? You know, they've got there are the ones that survive and then basically they become permanent, you know, like Instagram isn't going anywhere, I think, ever, you know, but uh there are ones that will come up and maybe even seem to do well for a while and then fade away. Uh, certainly you and I, I know both have uh, claimed our usernames and things at um, promising looking social media. Various networks. random places. Yes. Yeah. That, that look neat. Some of them look really good. I mean, like they're really good technology, but they just, you know, you, you forget to go. And then a month later, you're like, Oh, I forgot about this. And you go and find out that you, the last post you read a month ago was still the last post on your feed. Yes. Um, so it's like, all right, well, I, I haven't missed anything. Um, I think what the future might hold for a lot of these services is, you know, something you alluded to that they each do something, you know, they, they instead of choosing, here's what we do, and this is it, they're going to say, okay, we do it all, but here's what we do best. Here's our thing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, maybe Instagram, it's photos, right? Maybe TikTok, it's, you know, creating, you know, creative videos and maybe uh, Snapchat is live, you know, not live, but, you know, quick, you know, status update videos, you know, every, everyone's got their own like thing. And if you like doing that, you know, if that's your, you know, if you like creating like, oh, it just, I just want to do a quick status update video and post it so my friends can see what I'm up to without having to type anything, then, you know, maybe Snapchat becomes your thing. Um, if you like to create something and, you know, put text on it and do funny things with it and overlay music and, you know, spend a little time doing that, then maybe TikTok becomes your thing. If you just want to, you know, update your status to let people know what's going on in your life, um, then maybe Facebook becomes your thing. And you may have all of those, but the one that's your thing is the one that you like to do, you know, the, the type of, uh, I guess, update that you like to do right. uh, socially. Um, and it may, so maybe there's a room for all of them. It'd be interesting to see if there ever is an aggregator. Like I would love to be Didn't able to Friendster go. try to do that? Oh, I don't know. I, Wasn't that I, their original? Their original. Um, I think thought it was one of their original uh, value props was to uh, was to actually aggregate um, a lot of different at that time whatever social media turned out to be. Yeah, I mean, um, I think right now part of it is you know the these networks don't want to be part of an aggregator, right? right. I think if I if I tried to create something that where I could see what my friends are up to on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and Twitter all on one screen, I think each one of those maybe not. Twitter would would pose a problem. I mean, Twitter seems to be just thinking as a developer. Like immediately, I said, "Oh no, Twitter! I could do that in a right. in a heartbeat, um, easily." But most of those, I'd have a hard time. Like, I don't think for TikTok or Snapchat, there's any way, any kind of API where I could actually find out what was going on on my feed without actually using their app. For um, some reason, that makes me me wonder about um, you and I have been talking elsewhere about Zapier. Um, it, that probably would give you the best um, quick overview of what's capable for many of these different systems. If you can get notified on new posts, for example, from say TikTok, I have no idea if TikTok yeah. is even hooked up to something like um, Zapier or, or um, if this, then that. But um, you know, it, you could certainly see what could be cobbled together using that service to see what happens. So I, I don't know how one would go about aggregating these things. Yeah, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I know that Instagram, for example, won't even let you post. Um, I mean, they make it really, really hard. And I think you mentioned that TikTok does roughly the same thing. You you really, really to, yeah. need to post from within the app on your mobile device. Um, and that basically right there tells you, actually, that tells you not as much about the application, but more about their strategic direction. Yeah. I mean, it remains to be seen if it's the kind of thing where they do want to open it up later on to more of an API thing like Facebook has, where, you know, there's various different ways you can post to it. Right. Or, you know, when it's just a matter of, well, they're young and they, they figure this just have complete total control. Like the only way to post is through our app. So we can maintain. Even then, Facebook, I mean, Instagram is owned by Facebook. Instagram is, I would not call yeah. them very young. They've been around for a while and it's pretty clear the direction they've taken. And when you think about it, it actually matches Facebook's primary um, uh, direction as well, because you can post a lot of automated things. For example, uh, there are lots of tools to post to a Facebook page, right? Like you oh, yes. and I both have pages for our, for our businesses and we can, uh, you know, go, we can post to those pages either by visiting Facebook on our, on our app or, or on online or on our uh, desktop and, you know, typing or uploading or whatever, or we can use third-party tools to post to the Facebook page on our behalf. You can't do that to a personal account. They draw a hard line between hmm. um, an account on Facebook and a page on Facebook. And that I think, I think what they're trying to do, and this, this makes sense from the Instagram perspective as well, I think that they are, what they're trying to do is preserve the personal nature of the individual interaction and not have that suddenly get taken over by um, you know, businesses like us <laughs> suddenly mm -hmm. posting uh, things that appear to be uh, from people. Yeah, though I do see plenty. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming some of them are paid advertisements. I know some of them are paid advertisements on TikTok um, and, and I guess on Instagram as well. Uh, so there must be some tools if you are willing to be an advertiser of some sort 
Um, and then some of the other stuff may actually be ads, but not TikTok just doesn't see those as ads. They're people posting through an account that, and they're trying to advertise a good or service or something like that. One um, thing I've noticed about TikTok, and this actually segues into uh, what I was going to bring to the yeah, yeah. today, um, is that it seems like if I haven't fired up TikTok for a while, um, the very first thing I see is an ad. Is that mm. your experience? I I don't know. I haven't I haven't paid that close attention to it. And I definitely feel like the ads, the the they could I guess they're sponsored. Um, they feel a lot like many of the other TikTok posts. Um, so I'm wondering uh, if. Uh, Maybe I just haven't gotten the feel for it yet. But I'm wondering if the average TikTok user actually understands the difference between an ad and somebody's real post. Well, those lines do tend to get blurred. Uh, and, you know, which isn't anything new in media going back way before. Oh, no, Google uh, digital had that media. problem for a long time. Well, yeah, but... I'm even thinking going back before digital media even. Oh, sure. You know, it's, you know the, the lines do get blurred between what's a, an advertisement, you know, a paid advertisement and what's... You know, because ideally that's what you want to do. Ideally, you want to have a advertisement that fits the medium that you're on. Yes. So, so the best advertisement on TikTok would be one that looks like somebody who's just doing a TikTok video, uh, or at least has some of that flavor. Um, so, regardless of whether or not it's, you know, kind of a formal ad or whatever, I mean, that's what they should be going for. It would be bad. I think really bad if you just had a TV commercial on TikTok. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's the, know, apparently the just, current YouTube model is to, is to yeah. interrupt you with ads periodically. Well, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think a, tic, a TV uh, commercial fits better on YouTube, but it is hard on YouTube to fit something because TikTok's got a very definite flavor to what the videos are like right now, probably because it's so young. YouTube does not. YouTube, you can find actual TV shows on YouTube. You can find documentaries. You can find movies. You can find people showing their cat doing something silly. You know, you can find everything you want, you know, um, AMSR videos, you know, on YouTube, <laughs> you know, so it's like an entire thing. So when you throw a TV commercial in on YouTube, sometimes it fits the content perfectly. Right. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. And if you threw a TikTok-like ad in YouTube, it would sometimes it would fit better, but other times it wouldn't. It would look out of place. It would feel weird. Um, so, you know, it's just, maybe it's, maybe that's the advantage to keep, keep TikTok to the point where the content has the same kind of feel to it because it's just people producing personal stuff. And then when you advertise to them, you also use that same kind of style and now advertising works better on TikTok than it does on YouTube. Or maybe it doesn't. I'm speculating. As a consumer, though, as somebody who who is unfortunately watching a few more TikTok videos than I had planned, um, I, I, I want to know, right? I want it to be clear when something yeah. is an ad versus something is organic content. Uh, and I think that they may still be struggling with that. Uh, you know, the, I mean, there, there's three levels. I see three levels. There's organic content. There are uh, explicitly paid ads. So it is a, in the TikTok world, it's a TikTok video that mm. is itself an advertisement of some sort with whatever content they do. But it's, it's, it's showing up in my feed because somebody paid to put it there. Yeah, not because it's gotten whatever else the the TikTok algorithm would have used to put it in my feed. Um, the 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 middle ground is what I would call sponsored content. You see this all the time on YouTube as well, where you have YouTubers who are sponsored by individuals or are sponsored by brands or products, and they're clear about it and they talk about the product, and it's usually something that relates very specifically to them. And I think that that too is happening some on TikTok. I'm just not sure how much. Um, it's it's that that point where when you see somebody uh, you know, promoting a brand you're back at that level of skepticism, right? Are they, are they getting paid to do this mm -hmm. or is this just something they're doing naturally? Cause you and I both do the same thing, right? We talk about products that we like yeah. and we talk about products because somebody might be sponsoring it or, or paying for placement. Um, not as much as I used to, but you know, still it would be nice. The, um, um, 
So, but we're we're obvious about it. In fact, we're required to be clear about it. And I'm not sure what the rules for TikTok are right now. Yeah, I mean, the rules. Uh, you know, you have I, you and I over years have talked about this. I've always been frustrated by the rules uh, for making it clear whether or not something's sponsored or not, um, because they they seem to be all over the place. Like years ago, they came down on bloggers, for instance for you know making it clear here are the rules make it clear that a link might be an affiliate link or that uh you know somehow you got paid even if it was just a free sample of whatever it was mm-hmm. um you know you have to make it very clear uh and it's got to be right you can't just be at the bottom in small print you know it's got to be up front and all that and then yet you go and you know okay 400 people just read my blog post and then i sit and watch a tv show that 4 million people are watching and there's product placement inside of it, you know, and, 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 you know, it's like, oh yeah, but if you go, if you wait to the end and you're one of those people that watches the credits scroll quickly by, you could see promotional consideration from, you know, whatever, but that is not, that's exactly, you know, that's the same as not just putting it at the bottom of the blog post on small print. That's like putting it on a separate page, you know, that you have to click through. Nobody ever reads. To see that nobody ever reads. (laughs) So it's like, well, why do bloggers, you know, I have this high standard that they have to reach, but yet like a TV show or a movie that has a product placement doesn't. At that time, there were there was actually a lot of this going on in TV uh, shows. I, I'm not seeing it as much now. Maybe it didn't work, but there was a few years where there were really obvious, like they would be in a car, for instance. Oh, we got a new car. And then they you know, look around and say, boy, there's a lot of space back here in the, in, in the rear seats. Yeah. And there's a ton of headroom in this car too. And you'd be like, what? That was very out of character for those. You know, why would they be saying that in the oh. sitcom? And it's like, oh, that's a played, a paid product, a placement advertisement in there. I and they vaguely remember a watching a show that did exactly that. And they actually went further and named the make and model of the car. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, usually they do. Um, and they show the, lo- they have to show the logo. There's probably yeah. a certain number of seconds, of logo on the steering wheel or on the side of the car to be on screen. There was all that. One of my favorite shows of all time did this, unfortunately. And, you know, the only saving grace was that they sometimes made fun of it. And it was the show Chuck <laughs> to add almost during the entire run of the show had a uh, paid in show advertisement for a sandwich shop <laughs> that, you know, they're probably the number one sandwich shop in the United States. It's not hard to figure out which one it was, but you know, it was like they had all these fake uh, names for stores, except this one store that was the real thing. And then they constantly uh, refer to it. And I think a few times it was even, they even allowed them to do it tongue in cheek. Like, oh, this is obviously, and I, but it was during the entire run and I had mixed feelings about it because I hate seeing that stuff in there. Right. But on the right. other hand, I also, uh, you know, read enough industry stuff to know that that show probably would not have gone on as many seasons as it did if that one sponsor didn't go and say, we really like this show, incorporate us in and we will pay for the show to go out. Um, and I, you know, and I believe that's what happened with Chuck. I believe they, one of the reasons they were able to go on, I think it was five seasons or, or maybe six, I don't know, uh, was the fact they had this one sponsor that said, oh no, don't worry about money. We'll just keep putting her sandwiches featured prominently in the episodes as part of the contract <laughs> and you can keep making the show. Uh, so, and in some way I was thankful. It was like, Oh, a, a sponsor for the show really came through and gave me more enjoyment. Cause I, I was able to get another season or two. So did you so, go to the sandwich shop? I, but everybody goes to the sandwich shop. Who doesn't go to that? I mean, it's like one of those things. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's not like, it's like, oh, I've never heard of that before. I'll have to see if there's one in my area. I finally remembered the show that I ran across that had the uh, the car product placement so blatantly. Did you ever watch Bones? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. And that is exactly the one I was thinking of as well. Yep. It was, they definitely it, did it. And it was so out of place yep. um, when they did it. I, I think they only did it like once, maybe twice. And I think they realized just how, how jarring it was. Yeah. Um, but the, one of the problems I have with um, um, the affiliate disclosures is not the affiliate disclosure. I've got no problem telling people that, you know, mm-hmm. if you buy through this link, I might get a small percentage. What bothers me is the knee-jerk reaction that says, oh, you're just promoting that because you get a kickback, um, which is, of course is not how I do business. Mm. And yet I know that there are 
so many people out there doing exactly that, right? They're promoting um, uh, crap for better of a, for want of a oh, better yeah. term, uh, simply because they get a percentage off of it. And when I take a look at some of the affiliate programs out there, uh, you know, where that are set up for people like us to promote products and get paid for it, um, there's a lot of crap available. There's a lot of stuff that that I wouldn't touch with a ten foot pole. Um, my my approach has always been. Um, you know, yeah, let's use this product for a while, see if it's any good, and then finally determine whether or not they've got a uh, an affiliate program after I've recommended it, as a matter of fact. But the, of the two backup programs that I tend to recommend for Windows, for example, uh, one of them doesn't have an affiliate program, but I keep recommending them anyway because it's a damn good program. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's challenging. Anyway, to come back to TikTok, so yeah. you made a comment offline last week uh-huh. that um, uh, you characterized TikTok as being a place where people seem to just be having fun. Yeah. Which I thought was a very, very interesting way of looking at TikTok and looking at the content that's being pr- produced um, and just l- looking at it with that, I don't know, prejudgment in my head. Um I got to agree. And it's, it's just more, it's, it's lighter to doom scroll, if you will, (laughs) on TikTok than it is pretty much anywhere else because, yep, there's stuff that's boring. And yes, there's stuff that's, that's maybe a little bit inappropriate. uh, But there's a lot of stuff that's just kind of fun. People doing fun things, showing interesting things. Um, I was, uh, I've been, like I said, watching too many TikTok videos because it is very addictive. And that's the part that kind of worries me a little bit because we've talked a lot about uh, social media addiction. Uh, We talked about um, the social dilemma a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and uh, I can see the algorithm in an application like TikTok uh, really, really leveraging that probably worse than uh, services like Facebook. Uh, but, um, but anyway, I've been, I've been having fun with it. I've uploaded exactly two of my own videos. Mm -hmm. Um, like you have done, uh, some shorts that end up on uh, YouTube as well. And, uh, I plan to, to hang out there for a while longer, just sort of see, um, if there's a place for me, the, the, um, uh, the stereotype, of course, is that TikTok is full of uh, teens and preteens um, dancing and doing music videos and that kind of stuff. And while there certainly is a plenty, there is certainly plenty of that. Uh, it's way, way, way more than that. And I think it was um, you mentioned that it was your wife or your daughter that said, mm-hmm. um, "Train it. Start liking some videos, and it will start showing you more videos like those." Yeah. And I've been doing exactly that. And TikTok has become a lot more entertaining and a lot more on topic for me. Yeah, no, same thing for me. I, as far as like the toxicity of uh, of social media networks, I had, when I first got into TikTok, I'd prepare myself for it to be the worst. Right. And I was surprised, pleasantly surprised to find out. I didn't feel like a very toxic environment at all. Not at all like, I mean, even Facebook. And I, you know, I curate my Facebook feed you know by doing the unfollow not unfriend but unfollow people that i right. just not interested in seeing what they're they're talking about um and i still find it to be kind of like you know i'm not i'm not going to go to facebook and come away with a smile i'm probably going to <laughs> you know I, I i want to see what some people are up to especially since i i know people all over the country and world and i want to see what people are up to i don't want to miss things in their lives now so i'm going to look but i i don't expect it to be a fun experience whereas when i do take the time to look at TikTok. Um, and usually I, I, you know, I'm able to budget that. Like for instance, if I know that uh, my wife and I are going to dinner in 15 minutes and I'm like, well, I don't want to start anything new. Oh, 15 minutes. Perfect. Let me go and scroll through a bunch of TikToks. Mm-hmm. I will probably end up with a smile on my face and in a better mood afterwards. Cause I'll probably see a few funny things. I'm probably going to see some cute pets, <laughs> yep. you know, doing funny stuff. Uh, you know, it's it maybe even a couple of jokes. I mean, they really are. They're visually told jokes. A lot of times is yes. what I'm getting in my feet a lot. And it, it, and I, I don't really see anything bad 
like, I don't see anything to make me depressed. I just see some interesting stuff. And sometimes I get that creative itch where I'll see somebody do something. And I'll be like, oh, that's neat. Why didn't I think of that? I mean, I thought I would have done it, but that's right. like, I used to, when I was younger and I had, you know, and my friends were younger and we used to hang out, we used to think of creative things to do all the time in the early days of the internet. And we did actually do a lot of weird creative things. You know, we'd create like a weird websites and throw them up or just web pages or, you know, try new things out all the time. And sometimes I see the TikTok videos and I get that same feeling from them. I'm like, oh, that was a neat idea. What somebody came up with there and did a TikTok and they might not have even come up with the original idea. They may be imitating somebody else, but it doesn't matter. It's the first time I've seen it. And, uh, and it's kind of, kind of neat. I'm doing, you know, I've been posting to TikTok as well, but doing the same thing you're doing, we're just doing tutorials. So we're not really providing that fun aspect to it, but we are providing kind of a value right. to it. Maybe you scroll through and see a few fun things and then you get a windows tip or a Mac tip thrown in, right. you know, to it, to, to complete the experience. Um, and it's been slowly building up, um, it's not hard to, you know, it's nice when they're, you're given a canvas to draw on, you know, when somebody, when YouTube says basically upload any video, do whatever you want, uh, that's a big canvas. But when TikTok says it's got to be 60 seconds or less, and it's got to be, uh, you know, a vertical video, and and then even like what people like is kind of even a more restricted canvas, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it makes it more interesting. It's like, ooh, what can I do with this medium? as opposed to my main medium of like the YouTube slash podcast thing. So if our, I'm just, I'm curious if our listener happens to be on TikTok, if you're yeah. on TikTok, you know, drop a comment, let us know. I'm really curious as to, you know, how many, how many people actually have been playing with it? How many people yeah. that are in our audience already might overlap? Um, I suspect not very many, but we could be surprised. Yep. Speaking of surprises, I wanted yes. to throw this one out very quickly. Yeah. It's just, it's really, really weird. Um, <laughs> it's it's the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey, except it's happening right now uh, in the Utah desert somewhere. Uh, they have found a monolith. Uh, it's not black. It's, it's metal. It's silver. Um, and I think if, nobody's been clear about it. I think it might be triangular. Um, you know, if you look down on it from above, it might be black. That's what I got. Yeah. For auto start uh, music in the background there. Um, it's, if you look down on it, it might be triangular instead of rectangular, but nobody knows where it came from. And it's yeah, it's all the story too. Yeah. Seriously planted in the ground. I mean, it was intended to stay there for a while. Um, I suspect it's not millions of years old, like 2001. Um, but then again, uh, you know, maybe Discovery did send off a signal to uh, to some distant planet, and uh, the aliens finally know we're here. It's uh, <laughs> anyway. There's there's a link to the CNN article um, in our show notes. Um, and yes, beware that's got autoplay video with with some music. But uh, it's it's just fascinating. I just I just find it very fascinating that you know this very well may be a case simply of of life imitating art and in fact one of the speculations is that this is some avant-garde art thing uh that was just waiting to be discovered but uh but it'll be interesting to see if anybody claims responsibility for it in the coming weeks yeah i um i my money is certainly on that it is uh an artistic endeavor um but that doesn't make it any less fun right because you know, the place it was found, uh, we don't know if this was put there last week right. or 25 years ago. Right. Like, you know, just waiting for somebody to actually discover it. Uh, we don't know, you know, how many people were involved with trying to plant this thing into the ground. If it's if it's triangular in shape or, or pyramidal in shape, that would make more sense because it would be easier to really plant it in the ground because a, a true monolith would be hard. It would be so easy to topple over. You'd need to have that thing so in secure. The, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it's not pyramidic. I mean, it's, it's, it is a, a tall object that if you look at it horizontally, it's rectangular. But like I said, if you look at it from the top, I believe it's like a, a, a narrowish triangular shape. It has somebody, somebody described it as having three sides. And I thought, well, that's odd for a monolith, but 
if it's a a standing triangle then you know fine maybe it maybe it does only have three sides maybe it does i don't know and it could be you know uh, as an artistic thing it might have been a pre-existing object that they were like hey you know what would be fun (laughs) (laughs) um you know so it but i like it It, because it becomes more of a mystery you know I, i followed the the saga of what was that that treasure here in the american west that was discovered last year i can't remember the details uh now but um that was interesting you know where a a, a well-off art dealer type you know who just passed away um had hid something a million dollars worth of items in a box and put it somewhere in the american west with only a poem that he composed as the only clue and people searched and searched for it um and it, you know that I love that because he created a real adventure. Now people did actually die looking for it, right? Um, but I'm you know I'm still uh, I'm still I still think it was a very overall positive experience of I having this it, true adventure. It took that, something like twenty years for people to yeah, find it, didn't it? And yeah. and the person who found it actually said, no, the clues did actually make sense. They did actually lead there, and it was in fact sitting on the ground. It wasn't buried you know they didn't have to drill for it they didn't have to find it some hidden place it was sitting on the ground somewhere and just oh hey what's this box open it up hey i found it it was just took 20 years it it, it does tell you the vastness of the american west i mean yes. you know i've done a lot of exploration and hiking and stuff and it sometimes you're on well-tread trails you know where you you know you know people have come probably earlier that same day as you know forget about you know how many years it's been it's probably how many hours it's been since somebody's been there and other times you can venture off into a place and nobody has literally been there ever right (laughs) uh because it's just you know the sides of the west but so that's probably what happened in this case i mean if it was sitting out there was not just amazing that somebody didn't stumble upon it like maybe this monolith too could have been there for a long time and nobody stumbled upon it right um we don't know if some artist somewhere is now like thrilled to death that after you know 20 years the monolith they put in the desert has finally been found um or whether it was like you know seven days ago right right if it is a long-term thing, I'm just hoping that whoever's responsible is actually still around. Yeah. The other thing, when it's been that long, um, you know, you just don't know. Uh, right. Well, I doubt one person, whether it was last week or 20 years ago, I doubt one person got that thing all the way out and secured it. So, And I would hope that somebody who did something like that would like, I don't know, leave some information for somebody, right? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You know, if the mystery ends, the mystery ends, it's over. <laughs> You know, somebody says, yep, it was me. I put it there just to inspire, you know, creativity in people. Then it's like, oh, done. Story closed everything. If the person is now smiling and never reveals what happened, then forever it will be a mystery. It will always be a mystery. Now, they could do something cool like, you know, there's that, uh, what, in front of the NSA building uh, in Alexandria. There's oh, yeah. That, in, uh, that stone um you know, a sculpture that has something encrypted on it, some characters that are encrypted that uh, has never been. Nobody has yet figured it out. Nobody has yet figured it out. Uh, Probably a book, book cipher, but so nobody's figured out the right book to actually use to break the code. But, you know, it is interesting because there is, you know, given an infinite amount of time that will be solved one day. Uh, Whereas a monolith in the middle of the desert, if the person responsible, uh, you know, the secret dies with them, then you get to the point where there could be an infinite amount of time and it still wouldn't be solvable. So, (laughs) So I don't know. I guess eventually maybe somebody might pull it out and look to see if there's an inscription under it or. Yeah. That's the thing though. I mean, I'd, I'd love to know if that were underneath that. But a part of me says, no, no, no don't touch yeah. it. It's it's important. It's it's It needs to stay where it is. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm sure, you know, that other people at this very moment are headed out there to see it. And as long as it remains a secret, uh, you know, uh, the, the origin remains a secret, um, there will be lots of people. Uh, well, it they certainly a regular have, thing. They haven't published the location. I mean, the folks that oh, found okay. it have oh, said, aren't you know, people. have said, we are, we are explicitly not giving the location oh, because that's it's even better <laughs> it's very remote yeah um and we just don't want flocks of people trying to um endanger themselves by heading out to to some random remote location just because 
we found a monolith. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there are people already trying to figure out. Already on the I way. Mean, yeah. I'm it sure. sounds like a thing to me. I mean, I, you know, if I had the time and uh, was going to be out in that part of the world anyway, I, I'd be talking with my friends to be like, what, where do you think it could be? Like, let's look at the picture. What does this look like? Get a geologist to look at the the you know the, the rocks and yeah. tell me you know give me some give me a list of possibilities you know this could it's much more interesting than just going on the same you know well traveled trails in the national parks right so anyway anyway so what did you uh, what did you bring for cool oh I just thought it was interesting I, I watched uh, one of the many pandemic era things it was a uh, a show do you, do you remember the movie Father of the Bride Father of the Bride Two Z Martin Diane Keaton um, I know the movie. I never watched it. You've never watched it. Okay. You know, uh, fun comedy movies from a while ago and, uh, it, written by Nancy Myers and they decided as for charity to basically reunite over zoom or a zoom like thing. They weren't really using zoom and make a, uh, a third one, you know, just a half hour little sequel to it, mm -hmm. uh, putting all the characters forward in years and, um, and, and and it was good as you would imagine. It's all top talent being you know doing this. So they create created a really nice little half hour mini movie, uh, Father of the Bride three. So I was watching that with my wife, and um, they part of it is there is a wedding as you can imagine uh, over Zoom um, in the episode. So it's the whole point of the thing. And right. she says, boy, I wonder if that's really been done at this point, if somebody's getting married over Zoom. And I said, well, actually, I'm sure, yes. I'm sure it actually happened before the pandemic even happened. And not only has it happened before Zoom and in other internet formats, but you have to go all the way back to 1876 to really look at the first time, which is amazing considering you know, 1876, there was no internet then, but it reminded me of one of my favorite nonfiction books of all time, the Victorian internet. And one of the stories there, it's basically a book about the telegraph. And one of the stories there is about a wedding that takes place, the, oh, the first wedding over a telegraph line. 1876. So that would be really the first virtual wedding, you know, using technology. Fascinating. Um, and yeah, and it's a great, uh, great book. I rec I've recommended it before and others, maybe you have even recommended it before over. Uh, I have not. Show. I'm actually noting it myself. It sounds K. like something I want to, yeah, probably. Might have been K. It, it's definitely one of my favorite books and it really makes you think differently. If you think that the world fundamentally changed with the birth of the internet, then you should read this book because the world actually fundamentally changed with the birth of the telegraph. Right. And everything since then has been an evolution <laughs> because before the telegraph, it, information traveled only at the speed of a person. So and, basically you and I are speaking right now using a glorified telegraph. Well, yeah, but I mean, think <laughs> about that. The, the, the change from information traveling only at the speed of a person to it exceeding the speed of a person right. was a major revolution. You know, you could, before the telegraph, there was no way for you, you could get, if you were on the first train from point A to point B, after a piece of information at point A became apparent, you could be guaranteed to arrive at point B and be the only person that knew that piece of information. There was no way to get it there faster than you. And the telegraph changed that. and drastically changed the world because it not only changed it from point A to point B on a train, but then you could lay telegraph lines across the ocean. And right. now suddenly a week for information to go from London to New York became instant. And that was a fundamental change. And everything, including the internet, including email, including Zoom, has really just been an evolution since the telegraph was invented. So anyway, that made me think uh, that Father of the Bride 3 ish is the name of the show um and uh that made me think of the uh of the victorian internet because of the the wedding ceremony how about you what's new with you what did you so i was stumbling see? around on youtube uh mm -hmm. since we seem to be talking about youtube and uh one of the the um, channels that i follow hadn't posted in a really 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 long time and all of a sudden up popped a new video from Mannheim steamroller Mannheim Steamroller, for those that don't know, is, gosh, they've become almost a Christmas tradition here in the United States and probably parts okay. of the rest of the world, just because they've had some a series of incredibly successful uh, Christmas music albums. They've done other music, but I think they're most widely known now for their Christmas music. In years past, apparently for the last 25 years, they've been on tour 
around this time of the year doing um doing live versions of their music which i actually attended one several years ago and it was a lot of fun um it's it's i, I love their music i love listening to it but it was an interesting experience to actually see them live and in person and it was it was a good time of course with the world as it is today that's not happening so instead uh he posted chip davis who's the guy that um, started Mannheim steamroller posted a video of him a uh, explaining that, you know, yep, we're not touring this year and you know why, um, and wishing everybody a happy Thanksgiving and a happy holiday season. And then sharing a, a clip from one of their shows uh, with actually a song that I was not familiar with. So I don't know if it's an exclusive premiere, but it's certainly what he's calling a uh, an exclusive performance. And I'll have a, uh, I'll of course have the link for that in the show note, but that was kind of fun. It was kind of nice to be reminded of, uh, of that experience and see that, uh, A, the chip's still around, <laughs> he's still doing his thing. Um, and that he would in fact be try be, uh, um, uh, you know, doing his concerts, um, if it were not for a certain pandemic. Excellent. Uh, let's see. So self-promotion this week, I want to admit to theft. Um, <laughs> I took a look at your newsletter last week, Gary, for whatever reason, because I've been getting it ah. this entire time. I said, you know what? Your newsletter looks a lot better than mine. Uh, so you know what that meant, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Show original, view source, let's see what he's doing. Uh, and as a result, on Saturday, I basically redesigned the layout of my newsletter. <laughs> and I'm actually very pleased with the results. Today's was the first issue that went out with the new look and feel. Uh, it's, you know, two columns, uh, responsive, uh, and it actually solves a couple of problems that my newsletter has had in the past. I took the opportunity to fix a few things. Uh, most notably, it's now uh, significantly more readable on mobile devices, which it kind of sort of was, but it kind of sort of wasn't. So anyway, rather than pointing to a specific article this week, I just wanted to remind everybody that I have a weekly newsletter, Confident Computing. It comes out every Tuesday morning, um, and you can sign up for it at askleo.com slash newsletter. Excellent. Well, that reminds me it's time to update my newsletter because obviously the design is getting old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, now I, I I'm going to point out a video as I know normally I did one it's it's uh, Tuesdays today's that the day we're recording this I've been getting asked a lot since the M1 Max came out uh, well should I be buying a new Mac right. or should I be waiting or what's the deal and my always my my line has always been that buy a Mac when you want it or need it. Don't buy it based on rumors, or speculation, or what you may think might be coming out next, because the next thing is just going to be an incremental update. And as soon as that comes out, there's going to be rumors of the next thing. So forget about that. If you need it or want it, buy it now. However, I'm not saying that now. <laughs> this is a special <laughs> situation. I Because people were asking me that, and I had to search myself. I have to answer them honestly. And instead of saying that, I had to be honest and say, like, if you want a new iMac now, I say, no, don't don't buy a new iMac now. They, they're Intel processors in the iMacs now. There'll be M1 processors next year. You don't want to buy an Intel Mac now. <laughs> you want to wait for the new M-Class processor. So I did a video talking about that, how at least temporarily, right now, while this transition is going on, I do not recommend going back and buying an Intel Mac. It's over. It's done. It's, you know, Intel Macs. These are the top-of-the-line Intel Macs. There will never be any better ones. The future is the M-Class processor for Macs. Don't, if you can hold off at all, uh, wait. So I have a but, video on that. We'll have a link, and I, I discuss my reasons and and, this, and reasons where you may even want to hold off more. Um, it, you know, by more I mean instead of buying this week, buy maybe next month or something like that. Um, the uh, the inference though is that if you happen to be in the market for a MacBook Pro, for example, yeah, you should go ahead and buy the M1. Well, not exactly because it's the low end MacBook okay. Pro that they have okay. now. The two Thunderbolt ports. If you're looking at it and saying, oh, I don't know if I could do two Thunderbolt ports, then I say, okay, fine. Wait for the new M1 higher level MacBook Pro. Don't go and say, well, I'll just buy an Intel one now. Now, you know, if you have an unlimited budget 
or you really need it because like, or just died or, or pressing need. Pressing, yeah. 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 Pressing need, whatever. Then sure. That's, you know, do what you need to do. But if you're just a regular general consumer and you're thinking, oh, when will be a good time to update my 16 inch MacBook Pro, for instance, or my iMac? Um, now it's not the good time because there's not an M1 version or an M class version now. Right. So anyway, we'll have the link to that where I go into more detail. Cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that that question's going around. I'm certainly seeing lots of opinions floated in various places. Yep. I think that pretty much does us for this week. Yep. Uh, let's see. The show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh119. If you've got a comment or a question for us, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at the TEH Podcast, or you can always leave us a show uh, comment on the show notes page. Thanks, as always, for listening. Have a very nice Thanksgiving if that's a holiday you celebrate, and we will see you here again next week. Take care. Bye.